covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Thank you so much for being tuned in as we've got another week's worth of Brewers talk. Certainly an eventful week this past week. Some injuries occurring that are making a pretty major impact on this team. Maybe not so much from a win-loss perspective, but certainly uh, the way this team is going about things. So that's going to be probably the biggest part of our conversation today. Our featured guest, Tim Muma, part of the staff at Brewer Fanatic. They're doing just a great job. Uh, They've been a a great addition to uh, all the different Brewers coverage that is available uh, online, and Tim is a big part of that. He's going to be joining us in uh, just a few moments here on the podcast. As always, our housekeeping items here at the top. If you listen to the podcast, an app podcast, I want to leave a ranking and review. And if you don't already subscribe, subscribe as well. That would be awesome. Helps the uh, algorithm where more and more people are able to uh, find the podcast. And also, if you want to get in contact with me, best way to do so is on Twitter, at Matt Pauly on air. A lot of what happened this past week, we kind of trace back to Sunday. There were so many good things, but then you look at some of the negative things that happened specifically on Sunday and kind of focus in on that. We recorded the podcast on Sunday night, most notably the injury to Freddie Peralta. He was dealing with some shoulder tightness, right shoulder tightness, kind of on the back part uh, of his shoulder, the lat area, and they got him out of there and he's going to be getting an MRI on Monday, depending on when you're listening to the podcast. You might already know uh, where he is at in terms of uh, how long he might be at, but he, how long he's going to be out. But he is going to go on the injured list that is for sure. I this is um this is a weird thing to say, but actually if there's one area that the Brewers can kind of survive a blow due to their depth, it's the starting pitching. They have so much starting pitching. Not that Freddie Peralta is not important to the team. He he obviously and he clearly is, but for the first part of this time on the injured list, really the only impact that it's going to have on the team is starting pitchers are going to lose the extra day of rest they had been scheduled to get. Because manager Craig Council had already said that Aaron Ashby was going to be in the starting rotation during this road trip. So instead of being a six-man rotation, it'll be a five-man rotation. Now they'll have a decision to make coming up next Monday because they will play a doubleheader in Chicago, and all of a sudden that's going to create a situation where you're going to have to find another starting pitcher. But it's a it's a good it's a good problem to have when you've got so much depth not that it's a problem but it's it's the area of depth that you probably want to have the most of right like you you want to have a lot of starting pitching because there's always going to be pitching injuries and that's just part of it and there's no pressure on Peralta to try to hurry his way back the Brewers are clearly going to be able to survive this injury Maybe, maybe, just maybe it opens up the door for an Ethan Small to walk into that Major League clubhouse for a first time. It seems logical that that would be the move to be made. No guarantee that that will be the move, but it seems like there's a pretty good chance that that move could be made. So uh, you hope that Peralta is not uh, a long-term type injury, but we'll get more information about that coming up on uh, Monday night before they open up their series against the San Diego Padres out west. The other injury that they are dealing with is uh, with Willie Adamas. They finally put him on the injured list. They were kind of 
trying to massage that thing out. Not not literally. I mean, I'm sure he's going through that, but just uh, letting him sit out for a few days to see if they would be able to uh, get him back healthy uh, before they had to put him on the IL, and that just didn't happen. So he ends up uh, on the injured list, and for the most part, Luis Urias has done a really, really solid job uh, at shortstop. Now, they wanted to give Urias a day off, and Sunday it was not good at shortstop with Mike Brasso starting out there. Uh, he's He's not the greatest defensive player in the world, and you put him at shortstop. That is not a position that you probably want to see him play that often. That being said, uh, if 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 Manager Craig Council thought that Urias needed a day and you're going into this uh, three-city trip and there's not a lot of off days coming up, you give him a day and you just kind of deal with whatever the ramifications are of giving him the day. And uh, on Sunday, it was a case of Mike Brasso not making some plays out there at shortstop that a Luis Urias or a Willie Adamas probably would have been able to make. I got a lot of calls on the postgame show, a lot of text messages on the postgame show trying to come up with better options than Mike Brasso. Uh, one person mentioned Bryce Terang. I don't think you're going to bring up a bite Bryce Terang and you know, start the clock on him, getting him onto the active roster and everything, just so he can, just so you can avoid a, a one-day thing where you're giving Luis Urias a day off. Somebody mentioned Keston Hira. I don't think they want Hira making the long throws, just because you never know that elbow is still an issue going back to. It's something he's had throughout his entire professional career, and even going back to his uh, when he wrapped up his college career. There's a reason they put him at second base, now at first base, but he came up as a second baseman because that limited uh, how how hard he was going to have to throw. Uh, I don't think they want him making those throws from the shortstop position or the third base position. And, and again, I don't I don't know how much of a better fielder he would have been at shortstop compared to Mike Brasso as well so it's it was a one game thing I know in the moment people get frustrated and I understand that 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 was a frustrating game on Sunday manager Craig Council said it he was you could just tell that that was one of those losses that kind of stuck with him left more of a bad taste in the mouth team didn't play well defensively you lose a starting pitcher there was just a lot of things did not go well on Sunday but you're not going to you're not going to put Keston here or there. You're not going to call up Bryce Terang just so you can have one day uh, of him there. Those those decisions don't make sense. So Mike Brasso was probably the decision that made the most sense in the moment there uh, at shortstop. But overall, the team is playing well uh, going into that uh, game on Sunday. They are they were 40 games in going into Sunday, and it was the best 40 game start in the history of the franchise. And I know there's going to be people out there that say, well, look at who they've played. And there's some truth to it in the sense that they've they've played some bad teams. They've played a lot of bad teams. But all you can do is beat the teams that are on your schedule. And we've talked about this before. There have been some times in recent years where the Brewers have been a good team, and for whatever reason, they have played down to their competition, and they have struggled against some of the lesser teams. For the most part, they are not doing that this year. Good teams beat bad teams teams and so far that is what the brewers are doing as we're at about the uh, quarter point of the season all right uh this week uh, our featured conversation is with tim Huma. he's part of the team at brewer fanatic so let's go ahead and get right to it after every brewers game signing an announcement bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take now we bring them all together 
It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers x is the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. We're very happy to uh, welcome back on to the, pro- uh, to the podcast Tim Muma. He's part of the team over at uh, Brewer Fanatic. And Oh, my gosh, they're just doing a fantastic job. They've brought in so many people. There's tons of content going on over there. Uh, it's really turned into uh, a top-notch website uh, for Brewers fans in a really short amount of time. And Tim is a big part of that, at Tim underscore M-U-M-A on Twitter. It is uh, Tim Muma. Hey, Tim, how are you? Appreciate you taking some time with us tonight. Hey, doing great, man. And I appreciate that uh, little plug for uh, Brewer Fanatic. I think it's, uh, like you said, lots of great people pitching in and, and doing kind of their own little personal takes on uh, the Brewers and baseball in general. It's It's been uh, really cool to see, so I appreciate that. You know, I really think that, and, and I know you guys want to get as many clicks as possible, but obviously on this <laughs> podcast, we have people on from Brew Crew Ball. We have people on from uh, from reviewing the brew. When you really look at the yeah. different sites that are uh, doing, you know, the, the kind of the fan-provided content, I doubt there are very many major league teams that have as much solid written content as uh, as we have uh, for people who write about the Brewers. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool to see, and and I think for the most part, you know, um, you know, I wrote a little bit at Brew Crew Ball, and guys have bounced around to different places here, there, you know, just kind of what fits into your schedule, into your life, that kind of stuff. And but I feel all of us, you know, we're not really like competitors in a way of like, oh, I'm not going to retweet that or I'm not going to talk about that. I feel like. There's just a good camaraderie amongst Brewers fans and, and writers and bloggers and, you know, even obviously guys like you and, and others who, who welcome us on and, and chat us up. I think I think it's just a cool community that, that way. Obviously, you get you get the negative side of social media and whatnot. But overall, yeah, I think uh, between the writing and just the fandom, I, I think it I think it is a special thing that the Brewers have fan wise. And that's why. We obviously hope uh, we can see some big things this year. Let's um, let's jump right in kind of on the biggest story coming out of Sunday. The Brewers struggled on Sunday. We're recording this on Sunday night. Uh, Freddie Peralta exits the game with an injury. Craig Council after the game saying uh, that they're putting him on the injured list. They're not sending him on the road trip. He's going to get an MRI on Monday. So maybe by right. the time some people are listening to this podcast, the, the results of the MRI might already be reported. But um, – you hope that it's a two-week thing and that he comes back strong. You don't want to see them lose a Freddie Peralta, but at the same time, this team is built with so much depth in starting pitching. If there's an area where you could maybe lose a guy for a little while, starting pitching seems to be that area. Right. Yeah, and I mean, I think this is something you should always somewhat expect as a Major League Baseball club. Pitchers are going to get hurt, whether it's a major thing or a minor issue, or maybe it might be a little bit of a nagging thing throughout the year. Um, you know, Peralta had a, some shoulder issue last year a little bit as well. Um, and you, like you said, you hope it's a minor thing, but they have stacked their deck, their deck a little bit as far as with the minor leagues. They have options, obviously, at, at the Major League Club as far as getting them some innings and giving them some spot starts. Um, even if it's, you know, three, four innings and then figure it out from there. Uh, they have had some injuries, obviously, with their bullpen as well. But um, I, I do think, like you said, if you're going to lose a guy and have to fill in a little bit here or there, um, the starting pitching is probably a good spot for that right now. And they also they're going to be cautious because, as we know, it's a long season. They put themselves in a good spot to start. Um, they know that they're going to be okay uh, for the most part, uh, whether it comes to the, the standings in the central or in the wild card itself. And uh, obviously, if they really had to make a move down the road, they'll do that. So, obviously, knock on wood that uh, that he's going to be all right, and it's going to be a, a short stint, and he'll work his way back in pretty quickly. 
in the meantime, maybe it's time the offense, uh, you know, turns it up for a week or two and, and kind of carries the load a little bit more and, and not have to rely on those starters and relievers so much. Well, also, in, in, you know, in the meantime, really the only impact to this is they go from a six-man rotation to a five-man rotation for this upcoming right. trip because they'd already announced that Aaron Ashby was going to be in the starting rotation uh, throughout this road trip. So, I mean, the, the only thing is now that they're not going to be able to give everybody an extra day of rest. It's you want I don't know how many teams out there could lose a pitcher of the caliber of Freddie Peralta and literally the only like ramification of it is that extra day of rest you were trying to give some guys you no longer can give it to them yeah that's true that's a good point uh and, you know again speaking to the depth that they have and not just the depth but the high high level of talent they have in the rotation and I'm sure, you know, they're probably going to look at it. Okay, maybe we go through once with rotation with uh, a little bit less rest. And then they find, a, you know, a bullpen day, a spot to do a bullpen day. Maybe after one of the starters goes seven or eight innings and, you know, everyone's going to be rested. Uh, you do have relievers who can give you a couple innings out of the bullpen. So if you stack a few of those guys, that'll eat up a, a day for you. Uh, as we know, between council and, and the rest of Brewers management coaches, they have such a good handle on this, and, and they're both cautious and strategic when it comes to what's best for the team, what's best for the players, and, and making it work over the long haul. And again, that's why you know stacking up wins early, and I know some people want to poo-poo a little bit on oh, who they're beating, all that kind of stuff. None of that matters. You stack those wins early, it gives you this sort of ability to to take a step back and figure out, okay, what's going to work for this two-week stretch or four-week stretch? And uh, like you said, maybe they'll Maybe they won't give him those extra days off, and then after a week or two, they they do find a way to sneak that in, or maybe they 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 do call somebody up just for a spot start. Um, there's lots of options they have, and again, it goes back to your original point that that they've created this depth and they put themselves in a position to succeed despite you know an injury like this to Peralta. They do have a doubleheader coming up in Chicago, so that's going to force yep. the issue a little bit. They'll have to get things figured out. It seems like, and I know a lot of fans are calling for this, and uh, sometimes you don't want to hear the kind of the business of baseball reasons not to do something but man between having a couple 40-man roster spots open between either having a spot in the starting rotation or a spot as a long man in the bullpen open it just seems like the perfect time to call up Ethan Small. I know there's a little concern among some of the uh, the bloggers and, and Brewers fans out there with his uh, lack of command at times in fact a little little too often I would say um, but, you know, Council before the season had already said he's going to be up here. He's going to make starts with us. He's going to pitch with us. Uh, so you're right. It, it seems to fit right into uh, sort of what they'd be looking at, especially, as you mentioned, with a, a double header on the horizon as well. And you might as well give the kid a shot in May or even if it's early June uh, just to, to give him a look, give him that experience. Um, you know, maybe he surprises you. You don't need to you don't need him to be a world beater out there. And and I'm sure they'll pick the right matchup, you know, which team makes makes the most sense or, or which uh, potential lineup, you know, they, they would throw out there against him. So I think it'd be fun to see everybody's been talking about him. And of course, if you're the Brewers, uh, you know, or if you're a Brewers fan, you know, sometimes they you think they're going to do one thing and, and they they zag when you think they're going to zig. So, <laughs> yeah. I guess, I guess we'll see, but um, that, that would seem, like you said, to make the most sense to be the logical choice, and I don't think anybody would be surprised, and they'd be pretty excited just to just to see him get a shot or two. You recently wrote a piece at uh, BrewerFanatic.com about Lorenzo Cain and his offensive struggles, and if 
if there is an area on this team, a, a position spot that has not performed offensively, it is center field. Kane has struggled. Tyrone Taylor's coming on a little bit. I'm, I'm very interested to see if Taylor's kind of given that job for a sure. couple weeks to see what he would do with it. But w- when you're really looking at this team, uh, you hate to you hate to see them move on from a Lorenzo Kane, and he still obviously provides super high end defense out there. But from an offensive standpoint, it's just not there. You know, I do the post game show with Vinny Rotino a lot. He's talked a lot about his bat speed. That the bat speed just looks slow. Uh, yeah. Not necessarily that you can't come back from that, but it just, man, it, it's it doesn't feel like he's in a good place offensively right now, and it's not totally clear to see what the pathway to a better place is. Yeah, it does look that way. I agree with what Vinny's saying there about the bat speed. And, and you know, just overall for, for Lorenzo Cain, I know a, a friend of mine, uh, also a teammate, uh, we talked about this in the past, especially when he played in, in Kansas City. He always played a, a real, like, tough center field and, you know, just, like, hard on his legs. That was a big outfield to cover. And so even though 36, you know, to some doesn't seem that old, I mean, you know it's getting up there in baseball years, it, it catches up with you quickly, you know. And then the last few years with the COVID, you know, all the COVID stuff and, and him battling through some stuff last year, uh, it does go away fast. We know that, unfortunately. And, you know, by all accounts, he's a great dude, great uh, clubhouse guy. And, and I think that's what's going to make it tough when they have to decide, okay, can we keep a roster spot here? Um, can we can we find one of those phantom injuries to put him on the IL for a while? Um, to your point, he's still very solid defensively. Reminds me a little bit of last year with Jackie Bradley Jr., where you know what he brings defensively. You just can't necessarily have him in there every day uh, when it comes to the bat. So we'll see where it goes. I do agree that if they're gonna before they make any major moves, I think they give Taylor a, a look for a, a little bit of an extended period to see what he can do on a daily basis. I'm not sold. I like the guy. He he brings you definitely some uh, some intriguing talents and qualities uh, to the to the offensive side. Um, I don't know that he can do it on an everyday basis. He's not the greatest center fielder defensively either. So if they can find an opportunity to make that move closer to the deadline, I'm sure they will are are looking. There's been some rumors out there of some other guys who don't necessarily fit the center fielder profile, but you could see where you know, sneak them in there every once in a while if if the bat is a quality. So. I think that'll be definitely one of the storylines here over the next month, six weeks, to see what happens with playing time. Uh, if, it, if it starts flipping a little bit as far as Taylor getting more opportunity. And then, uh, again, maybe Kane gets a, a, a week off or two weeks off on the IL with a, a leg injury that uh, nobody really knows what it is, but it gives them a chance to, to catch their breath and, and maybe reset them a little bit. Yeah, to me, that's the answer. Because you can yeah. always find an injury, and it's not even yeah. making something up. Like uh, Every single guy is playing hurt pretty much from the first game of the season. It's just what, sure. what level of hurt. But it, there's no rule about the injury list that you know this injury has to be seven on a one through ten scale for it to be eligible to put you know put a guy on the IL so you can find that injury you can sit him down for a couple weeks you can send him to Nashville for a week and let him get regular at bats there and see if that's enough to kind of reset him and get him going and if that doesn't work then maybe you have a tough decision later on in the year but if he doesn't turn it around soon at the big league level like I don't see what uh, what other option you have other than basically what I just said and that's the thing you know Everyone, I think, sees it for the most part, and and it can be frustrating. And, and nobody thinks it's like he's not trying or anything, but it it, it is almost a little sad in a way because it, it looks like he's just really struggling in a lot of ways. And, and I don't know if it's changed since I wrote the article, but 
he literally had not hit the barrel on his bat yet with the ball, which seems hard to do for a major leaguer. I mean, obviously the pitching is phenomenal, but you think once in a while you just find the barrel on one. So it'd be great if, if he did get that little bit of time off and, and, and take a stint down in triple a or whatever, and, and find his swing a little bit, maybe he changes something mechanically or shortens up his stroke in some way. And, and he can help the team. Um, obviously, especially a team like the Brewers, you don't want to just, you're not just going to get rid of a guy. You're not just going to lose that depth. So they'll, they'll find ways to, to use their whole roster, not just their 26 man or even their 40 man. They'll, they'll figure out ways. And like you said, there's, there's a few roster spots available on that 40 man right now. So they've definitely left that uh, possibility open of doing a few things over the next, you know, couple months. It feels like they've got something up their sleeve. Like they made the it move does. with Bettinger the <laughs> other day. There was, you know, other than the fact that you're going to save a few bucks by taking them off the 40 man and outriding them to AAA Nashville. Like other than that, there was literally no reason that you had mm-hmm. to do that. And they did it, and there's just these two spots sitting open, and I feel like there's a good chance one of them will go to small uh, with the uh, with the Peralta injury. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but still, even beyond that, there's another 40 man roster spot just sitting there, and I don't know. It just this is not a team that uh, has consistently carried open 40 man spots during the season. Oh yeah, those those spots are so precious, especially again when you're trying to build that depth and make sure you have coverage in a number of different areas. So to have those open it, and maybe of course we love to speculate, right? And we know Stearns is always wheeling and dealing, and, and the rest of that crew there. It does feel like maybe something's on the horizon. Maybe it is just more internal movement, and and they want to you know add a guy to the forty man aside from small, like you said, but. You know, those those 40 man roster spots are so important and valuable that I'd be really surprised if, if they'd stay open, you know, more than another few days. And whether, again, that is a some kind of move that is unexpected, like last year with the Adamas trade or if it is more internal, you know, put a guy get the guy on the 40 man so then they can use him as a call up. Uh, Willie Adamas is injured. I don't know about you. I, I, last year, Luis Urias was not a good defensive shortstop, and this mm-hmm. year, all of a sudden, he is. And maybe the sample size is just still <laughs> tiny. And if you continue to play him out there every day, eventually there's going to be some exposure. But man, it feels like he's a different guy at shortstop this year. Last year, he really seemed to relax, and I know there's been stories about it, and people have written articles. And but when Adamas came over, he did seem to relax, which you know is a little bit strange, just because you'd think that that would have frustrated him or whatever. But maybe he felt too much pressure being the guy at shortstop um, once they once they dealt away Arcia. Uh, maybe he just felt pressure that he was going to be the guy, and he wasn't ready for it. And and the Adamas deal really put him over at ease, like hey, I can go back to just you know playing whatever position they need me at. Um, so maybe this year now he's just like, look, I, I got all that out of the way. I'm, I'm feeling good. He's swinging a great stick that can always help. Um, to your point, you're still going to see some, some miscues I'm sure going forward. And he'll have, uh, he'll have one of those days that everyone might start questioning again. But I think if you're looking at a guy who's filling in at shortstop, whether it's for a couple weeks or even a little bit longer, you could, you could have a lot worse options than Urias. And, uh, I think, they think the longer he can, Play consistently well, both in the field and uh, and swinging the bat. I think that bodes well for for it being a, a realistic um, belief that he's here to stay, so to speak. Like his breakout happened a little bit last year, and now it's time for him to take off and and really prove that Stearns won that trade when everyone, a lot of people anyway, thought they lost it a couple of years ago. I think he's already won it. I, I don't know how you actually go back. <laughs> I guess Trent Grisham could just really turn it on. Uh, yeah, but, that's but, true. But, but between and I, I not to bring up. 
non-baseball stuff, but the story this past week about Zach Davies and his oh, now ex-wife. Yeah. Oh. It's like, uh, oh. uh, you know what? That story shocked me because uh, uh, I first met Zach when he was at AAA. When I was doing the the Brewers AAA uh, team in Colorado Springs, that's when that okay. trade came. You know, he came over from the Baltimore organization and the uh, – well, that was the Domingo Santana trade, I think, if I remember correctly. Um, and so I we had him at AAA when I was there – and then obviously I was around him here and it just, if that story is true and I, I, I hate even talking about it, but if that story is true, that's a shocking story to me because he's one of those guys that never came across to be somebody who would do that sort of thing. I mean, I never knew him personally at all and you know, I never had any interactions. So it's obviously for me just from a distance and, and, you know, people like you and others who might talk about having those interactions with them. But yeah, that, I, you know, I saw some scuttlebutt about it on, on social media and then eventually, you know, found an article where it was like, wow. I mean, that's, it's, look, everyone has their, uh, has their things in life that uh, they'd like to take back, but that's, uh, that's some pretty serious accusations. And if that's true, I mean, look, it's, it's, it's nice to not have that on your team and have to worry about that as a distraction, I think. Yeah, I the Brewers, I think, really value character. And yeah. look, there's been some guys on the team over the years who are not the nicest guys in the world. That's fine. <laughs> it's not, you know, you're not going to not bring in a guy just because maybe they're a little rough around the edges. But for the most part, the majority of guys who have played for this team are legit good dudes. And that plays into the culture. Now, if you're not good baseball players, you're not going to go win baseball games just because you're a <laughs> bunch of good guys. But if right. you are good baseball players, you may win more. More games if the if the clubhouse environment is that much better and between the way Craig Council runs things and the character of the guys on the team, I do think that helps the Brewers on the field. I agree that matters, and you know I may be biased obviously because I love baseball ahead of any other sport, but you just think about the time that's spent together and the long days, the long weeks, the travel. I really do think character matters a ton when it comes to that clubhouse and, and keeping that harmony and and you know like you said the way council and his staff handled guys and, and really i think treat them with respect and let them kind of be them be them within the the big picture of the of the club i think that plays a huge role for them and and you know you're always looking for any advantage you can and especially if you're being that small middle market type club if that gives you an extra boost of even one or two wins over the course of a season you know you'll definitely take that and uh, as you said, you still need to have the talent. You got to have the right mix of of players and ability. But if you can also find the right mix of different types of guys, guys that get along, guys that'll play for each other, play for the team, play for the manager, I really do think that's something that's it's really hard to measure. But it it, it there is some value to it. And I I remember even Theo Epstein talking a little bit about that, where trying to find what the next you know hidden hidden talent type yeah. uh, type of thing that a club was looking for. You know, he had all the analytics, all the sabermetrics side. All right, what's the next thing? And it's it's trying to figure out how character and personality and quote-unquote grit, all that stuff, can we measure that? Can we find a way? And I don't know if there's ever any way you can put a number on it, but it's certainly a factor when it comes to Major League Baseball, and I think baseball just in general. It's just a, a different sport in that way. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're living with these people all the time. It's just a constant deal. <laughs> Uh, you, you see them more than you see your own family. Sometimes you don't see your family much at all during the season if your yeah. family isn't uh, in whatever city you're playing in. So it's uh, it's a it's a different animal compared to other sports. And apps. I mean, these guys are getting into the ballpark 
early afternoon and they're there till 11 o'clock midnight. I mean, it's a long day and you're with the same people every single day in a somewhat small confined space. That part (laughs) of it, like you could almost do like a psychological experiment on the impact of baseball and the, um, yeah, it's just there's a lot of things about like working in baseball, being in baseball. It's just it's very hard to explain to people who don't mm-hmm. who haven't been around it. It's a it's just it's it's its own lifestyle that I don't know if there's anything else in this world even gets close to no other sport does. And I don't know what else. Maybe maybe there's some aspects of military stuff that uh but it's not the same. Like I don't even know what to compare it to. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've never had the pleasure of, you know, the day in, day out with, you know, whether it's working with with a team or, or being there reporting or obviously being a player or anything like that. And um, But, you know, I even talk with the kids that I coach that the reason I still play and, and have, you know, have the urge to go out there. Yeah, competition. Yeah, I love the game, but it really is the the teammates and the players and just there's a grind to it. There's a there is a family aspect to it. And, and as you said, you're on top of each other you know, for how many days in a row and months and it can go downhill real fast. If you have some, some bad eggs in there, you have some personality clashes. So I, I, again, I, I do think it's important. I value it a lot. I value it, you know, with, with both my boys when they've been playing with teams and, and they've all gotten close and they have that kind of brotherhood, uh, even though they come from different areas. And I can only imagine that gets ratcheted up about a thousand percent when you're talking about major leaguers and your livelihood and every day for nine months. It's I, again, I can't imagine it, but uh, I, I do think it's, it's super important. Yeah, it absolutely is. All right. Last thing for you, before I get you out of here, all right. this team offensively, the numbers are really good. Yet the inconsistencies, like they'll go out and score double-digit runs, and then all of a sudden they'll have a really hard time scoring any runs. I almost yeah. feel like you have to evaluate this team not so much on like their aggregate numbers, but more like number of times they've been held under two runs compared to number of times that they've scored six or more runs, like things like that. Like you just can't say, okay, they're hitting whatever as a team and they're they're ranked wherever they're ranked at in terms of mm-hmm. home runs. It just the the consistency of the offense continues to be something that concerns me. Completely agree and I think that's where a lot of fans already thinking ahead and maybe too soon to the postseason and wondering, I mean, is it just going to be a complete random thing where if they have three bad days where they can't score more than a run, it doesn't matter how good the pitching is because it's probably not going to hold up. Or is it going to be a thing where they get hot for a week and, you know, they make that run? I I think that's where the concern is. And of course, every team is looking for that consistency, especially from the hitting side, because it is such a challenge. Um, You know, and I, I, I think that's what makes it tough, like you said, to evaluate as well, because the numbers in some cases look great. You can look at even stat like OPS plus where, you know, anything over 100 is better than league average. And they got like six, seven guys who have that as their OPS plus, but it doesn't feel like it because every game, it almost seems like it's a grind through the fifth or sixth inning and you're hoping they get that that run or two. And that's where. Again, with center field being a little bit of that hole, I don't know where else you can necessarily upgrade because you feel like you got some guys that can do the job. Can you find that bat who's just he's on base every day or he brings a consistent, you know, extra base hit every day that that you just feel good about putting him in the middle or the top of the order? That's where I think the challenge is with with this team and with the way they're constructed. You know, you we saw essentially the three, four guys get super hot for that, that week to 10 days. And it was great. Now, was it because it was against bad pitching? I don't know. You still got to, still got to perform, 
Um, but I, I do think that's going forward where a lot of people, myself, including sounds like you too, where you just, you just have this uneasy feeling because it, it almost just is like throw a coin up and see if it lands no offense or lots of offense today. And, and that determines your fate in the postseason. I, I think that's what worries people more than anything. Yeah. I think it's a legitimate worry and yeah, there's a lot of time between now and the end of the season, but at the moment I do think it's a, uh, it's a legitimate worry. All right. He is uh, Tim Muma. You can follow him on Twitter at T I M underscore M U M a read him and the rest of the great team uh, over at Brewer fanatic. What used to be brewerfan.net transforming into Brewer fanatic. And they've added a ton of content and a lot of writers, like Tim, and it's just a great, great content on an every single day basis. Tim, thank you so much for your time. We'll do this again real soon. Awesome, man. Thank you. I always appreciate the conversation. Tim Buma joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile, and that is just about going to do it for the program this week. The uh, upcoming schedule, we're back to exclusively being on WTMJ. Now that the Buck season is over, uh, we are not going to have uh, any conflicts for the foreseeable future, so you can always uh, plan to head to WTMJ for uh, Brewers baseball. The schedule this week, they're about to go on a three-city trip. This is a tough trip coming up to San Diego, to St. Louis, and then they're going to wrap things up with a series in Chicago against the Cubs, which is going to start with a doubleheader. Uh, Monday night, 8.40 for first pitch on Monday and Tuesday. So we're going to be staying up late for the postgame show, Brewers Extra Innings. I hope you'll stay uh, with us. And then a 3.10 start uh, to wrap up the series coming up Wednesday afternoon before they head to St. Louis for a four-game series that's going to begin coming up on Thursday. Just a reminder for you, especially for those of you who do not live in Wisconsin but want to get uh, post-game coverage of games, you can always stream the Brewers Extra Innings post-game show at WTMJ.com. You do have to wait for the Brewers Radio Network broadcast to wrap up. So uh, when you tune in, you might hear nothing. It might not let you connect. You might hear uh, some archive programming from uh, some other WTMJ shows and podcasts. But once we do go live with the post-game show, that does get streamed at WTMJ.com. So just a reminder for you, if you want to listen in real time to uh, the radio postgame show, you are able to uh, do so at WTMJ.com. My appreciation going out to uh, Tim Muma for joining us on the program. Thanks to you for being tuned in. We'll talk late into the night, early into the morning this week as the Brewers start out with a series against the Padres starting on Monday. And we'll talk to you again next week for another edition of Brewers Extra News, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.